from APM American Public Media. This is the American Radio Works podcast. I'm Stephen Smith. It has been almost a decade since Hurricane Katrina caused disastrous flooding in New Orleans and other communities along the Gulf Coast. After the storm, tens of thousands of children were forced to evacuate their homes and attend school in other cities and states. One study by Columbia University found that in the six months after Katrina, displaced families had moved an average of three and a half times, with some moving as many as nine times. In the year following the storm, 30 percent of displaced children were either not enrolled in school or not attending regularly. Today, Louisiana has the nation's highest rate of young adults who are neither in school nor working. And researchers are starting to ask, could the widespread gaps in schooling after Katrina be the reason? Katie Rechtal is a freelance reporter based in New Orleans, and she's been looking into that question. Her latest piece, Katrina's Lost Children, was published by the Heckinger Report. Katie Rechtal, welcome. Thanks, Stephen. Nice to be here. You were in New Orleans during Katrina. Can you paint a picture of how the city functioned uh, during that first year uh, after the storm? Where were the services for people who needed them, and uh, what was happening in the schools? Well, the schools, many of them were shut down because 80% of the city flooded um, as the result of the faulty federal levies here. And so uh, most, a lot of the schools were flooded, a few reopened, but um, there were not many children in the city. I was in and out myself. I was an evacuee in Phoenix for the most part, but I did come in and out and do reporting. And during that time, I had a, I had a baby, and I remember it being a city of adults. There were very few children here. So what did you notice about the city's youth today that led you to think about the impacts of the storm on displaced people 10 years later? It's really interesting. I was actually talking with someone about this last night who had just read the piece about Katrina's Lost Children. I feel like it's nothing that was new information for me. It's just something that I'd always wondered. I'd seen all these high school kids, adolescent kids, you know, middle school to high school, who had missed so much school and were coming back in uh, traumatized and dazed and confused and and just unable to sort of um, get into a regular school routine here. And so I started asking questions of those kids about how they were doing, and that's how this came about. So what did research uh, show um, after the storm, uh, in the year after the storm, and then years later? Well, there, were, there was uh, a lot of research in the year after the storm, um, and then a lot of that research went away. Um, you mentioned the Columbia University study that actually did follow children for five years, and that was a rarity. Uh, another um, woman, a sociologist, Lori Peak, who directs the Center for Disaster and Risk Analysis at Colorado State University, also followed um, about 600 displaced children and their families. And she has longer-term results as well, but very few others do. So the research is really lacking on this. What's known about how children who returned to New Orleans after the storm, uh, how they compare to children who moved to new communities and stayed in those new communities and stayed in those schools? You know, that's, it's a very good question, but the, there will be an analysis that will re- be released this summer looking at how children who came back to Louisiana schools functioned, um, how displacement affected them. But if they, were, if they ended up in Texas or if they came back here and didn't end up in a public school, they will not be measured. 
You interviewed a family for this story who was displaced by the storm, the Lees. What kind of picture did they paint? Uh, how are the Lees, the boys, doing now, and how old are they? Well, they, um, they're in their early 20s. They're, you know, they're kids who would have uh, been fine before the storm. They are from a, a good family. A hard, they have a hardworking mom. They were good students. They were in good, decent schools before the storm. But when they left town, they ended up in Houston in a neighborhood where um, they just didn't feel safe. And that, especially the schools, there were so many fights at schools. If you look at the police reports from that time, um, Houston keeps track of school incidents. And it was all sorts of Katrina, 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 Katrina. There were all sorts of feuds between Houston kids and Katrina evacuees. And how are the boys doing now, these young men? They are. They, they are. Um, one is enrolled in college. He's studying art, um, graphic art, and he's, he seems to be doing well. And his um, older brother is, work, is starting to work with at-risk youth. Um, but that older brother ended up dropping out of high school because the, the two boys missed an entire year of school in Houston because of the worries about violence. Their mom just did not want them there. What do researchers say about the age at which a child might be most vulnerable to uh, trauma or stress induced by an experience like Katrina? Well, um, Lori Peake, who's a very seasoned disaster researcher, um, went back and forth with her collaborator and really looked at this issue and tried to disentangle everything and found that adolescents were affected um, differently and more severely than younger children who seem to be shielded by the adults in their life. Now, you say researchers are just beginning to think about studying the long-term effects of Katrina on the people that were children at the time of the storm. How might this be important to other parts of the country or, or other groups of people? Well, I know that there's, there, you know, there was this um, trade of disaster people who were disaster housing recovery people who went to help with Sandy after Sandy in New York. And so I know that when you have these big disasters, that there are some commonalities. And in fact, Lori Peake, was, who has studied disasters for, for quite a while, was one of the first people that I turned to to sort of understand if what we were seeing was typical. And how, what percentage of children did return to New Orleans after the storm? We don't know that. And we don't even know really how, what pr- proportion of original residents came back. We know that the city is starting to to gain its population back. But, so there's no sense of how many kids came back, and there's, there's just the data is really lacking. One thing I found out after this was published um, was that the people from Columbia University, who are now with other institutions, called me back and said that they are going to collaborate um, with other people who... There were two other institutions that had sort of done longitudinal looks at children and they are going to now, thanks to um, National Institute of Health funding that they just got, they're going to be looking back at those kids and trying to figure out what happened with them. And that will be a treasure trove of information, I think, for people trying to understand what happened after Katrina. Katie Rechtal, thank you so much. Thanks a lot, Stephen. Thanks for having me. Katie Rechtal is a freelance reporter based in New Orleans. Her recent article for the Heckinger Report is called Katrina's Lost Children. Find a link to that article at our website, AmericanRadioWorks.org. There you'll find more podcasts about psychological research and other issues in K-12 and higher education. 
And while you're there, browse the archive of more than 100 documentary projects, including our post-Katrina documentaries, Rebuilding Biloxi and Roots to Recovery. You can also let us know what you think of our coverage there. That's AmericanRadioWorks.org. We are on Facebook at American.RadioWorks and on Twitter at AMRadioWorks. Support for American Radio Works comes from the William and Flora Hewlett Foundation, Lumina Foundation, the Spencer Foundation, and the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. I'm Stephen Smith. Thanks for listening. This is APM, American Public Media.